Welcome back to the ICPA Insider, a show created to help you get to know the movers and shakers of the chiropractic industry. I'll be your host, Dr. Greg Stern. Today's guest is on the Board of Regents for Life Chiropractic College West, taught at Life Chiropractic College for 10 years, has been in practice for 37 years and still going strong, has been teaching with the ICPA for 20 years, has had large family practices in Georgia, Arizona, and Florida, is a fellow of the ICPA and ICA, was Chiropractor of the Year in Florida in 2008. He received awards for research and philosophy in Florida. He likes to write and live life to its fullest. His goal is to get chiropractors through the fear of working with children and get them to a level of clinical competency to properly care for children. He has been a chiropractic patient since childhood, which has kept him happy and healthy. And he teaches the essentials of chiropractic care for children in the ICPA certification program. This warm and caring man is my chiropractor every year when I visit Florida and has been a wonderful and giving resource for me since I started in the ICPA programs. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Dr. Armand Rossi. Welcome, Armand. Hi, thank you, Greg. Uh, good to be on here, and it's uh, great to hear you. And uh, just uh, having some fun. Yeah, well, i got to tell you, I was really excited when uh, when I was scheduling this because God knows we've known each other for a long time, and, and I would just say uh, uh, to everyone that uh, uh, your class in the ICPA program and our relationship since has, has just been integral in, uh, in my development as a chiropractor. Uh, but let's help everyone who's listening get to know you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, sure. how you got involved sure. in chiropractic? Yeah, I, I actually uh, was very blessed to be a chiropractic patient as a child um, myself. My mother's uncle, uh, Dr. Frank Fusula, was the first chiropractor in our family. He actually graduated uh, with Clay Thompson from, from uh, Palmer College. And uh, um, what happened what, to me and how I got involved, I wasn't, I wasn't a chiropractic patient from birth, but I was about five years old and I had already had some difficulty with health issues with asthma and allergies and things like this. And I, I was uh, playing at my grandmother's house one day, at, at, like I said, age five, and I fell down a short flight of steps. And I, you know, banged myself up pretty good. But um, seemingly everything was fine, you know, a couple of band-aids on my knees and stuff. And what happened was over the next few days after that, I started getting very sick, uh, almost like a flu, you know, fever, upset stomach, this type of thing. Didn't want to get out of bed, didn't want to eat. My mother did the typical thing any mother would do. She gave me, like, chicken soup and orange juice and things like this. And later on, as it got worse, baby aspirin. What happened, though, is after about five, six days, I kept getting worse each day. And, and uh, my um, uh, eyes crossed inward very severely, and I started seeing double vision and everything. So my mother was really in a panic, and her and my father took me to a cousin of our family who was a medical doctor up in Huntington, Long Island. And we lived in New Jersey at the time. Um, and we went up there, and he, his diagnostic acumen was pretty limited, I think, but he said that they wanted to put me in the hospital, cut the muscles to my eyes and straighten my eyes, and then run tests to see if I had a brain tumor. And back then that was pretty drastic because they didn't have MRIs or CAT scans or inject a dye into the skull and use x-rays to see about the brain tumor. So my mother decided to take me to my, her uncle 
the chiropractor just to see what he had to say. And he said, basically, and making a long story short, that I had an upper cervical subluxation. And uh, I had some pressure coming out of the brainstem. And what happened was um, he started adjusting me. And we started checking and adjusting me every day. Um, the first few days, I, nothing happened. It just stayed the same. My mother was getting discouraged. And he pointed out something that was very important, that staying the same when I was going downhill before is actually improvement. Okay? So uh, a lot of chiropractors seem to forget that. And there are a lot of people seem to forget that. So uh, we kept with the course, and in about three weeks, I was doing much better. I was starting to sit up in bed, starting to eat more, this type of thing. And um, what happened was uh, my mother walked into the room, looked at me, and my eyes straightened out as as I was focusing on her. My eyes came back to normal. And I completely recovered from this. The great thing that my uncle did, which was important, was explained to my mother that even though my symptoms were better, I still had the nerve interference. I still had the subluxation that needed to be worked on. So we kept going to him, not every day, but like three times a week and then twice a week, type of thing. And then to once a week. And in a year's time, at age six, all my asthma, allergies, hay fever, all that was gone. And they told, medics had told my parents that I might outgrow by age 12. This was at age six, and it was all over with. And ever since then, I've been a chiropractic patient since I was at that time. I never went to a medical doctor since. Well, i got to tell you, that's, uh, that's certainly a heck of a story, and I know how passionate you are about chiropractic care, and now I can, uh, now I can understand why. Out of curiosity, yeah. did your – now, did you have any siblings? I have a sister who's a chiropractor okay. also. Okay, yeah. did, did your parents start taking your sister as well? Yes. And did your parents time. start up chiropractic care? Um, yes. Yes. And it is, interestingly enough, um, my mother had been adjusted before by, my, by her uncle, um, but it was like, a, like a, a, a brief one or two times type of thing. My, my mother's uncle was a very good chiropractor, but he wasn't a really great educator, okay? I love him. He's passed on now, but he, he was a great chiropractor, wasn't a real good educator. So, I learned more about that, and let me tell you briefly how I learned about that, Greg. Um, my first quarter in chiropractic, I went to Columbia Institute of Chiropractic in New York, um, and um, I was paired up. My uh, lab partner for a palpation class was Irene Gold, <laughs> and, and Irene took me to meet Reggie my first quarter in chiropractic school, and I learned about education. That's where I really learned about how that you need to educate and talk about it more. And so that uh, certainly would be a good source. Yes, yes. I was I was very blessed. I was very blessed throughout my entire career in meeting up with people. You know the old adage of when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Yeah. Uh, and and that's that's happened to me my whole life, and I've been very blessed by that. Totally. Now I, I see that you uh, you did not stay at Columbia, did you? No, I, only, I was only there for a quarter. Um, frankly, it was a commute from New Jersey into New York City at the time, and it was very draining. And Irene was, was one of the people who convinced me to go to Palmer, because back then there was no Sherman, there was no Life College. It was just uh, Palmer and, uh, and a few other colleges. And she said to me, you know, you're young, you're single. No, she, she lived there with Reggie, so she 
wanted to go local. She said, you should go to Palmer. So I took her word and then transferred out to Palmer after one quarter of Columbia. Ah. <laughs> now, uh, so we know you have a, a sister. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about uh, your family? Sure, sure. Um, my um, Some interesting things about my family. My, my um, first wife is a chiropractor, too, okay? And uh, we had two children. And my son is a chiropractor now in Georgia as well, um, who's married to a lady who went to class with him at Life College, um, who is chiropractor number 40 in her family. So they're um, the, the, the Sonniers and, uh, and uh, Champagnes and Bohemiers from Canada, the whole group of them. And so uh, um, we're all kind of intermingled in there. Um, I have... Combined, four children, two biological, two stepkids. I have 11 grandkids, and I have five great-grandkids right now. Well, so I, I stay busy. <laughs> yeah, I tell uh, you. Yeah. Are any of them in, uh, in, in Florida with you? No, they're all, they're all in Georgia, actually, huh? all of them. And they all get, get along well with each other, which is great, and uh, – uh, the only one who's in Florida is my sister and, and her family, and I have an aunt who is uh, amazing here. I'll tell you a little bit about her real quick. She's 86 years old. Um, she teaches voice. She, she studied. She graduated from Juilliard and the Conservatory of Opera in Rome. She still teaches voice lessons, and she sang for B.J. Palmer back in the late 50s. Wow. And so uh, uh, it was. To, it's. To, it's kind of neat with that. <laughs> That's really neat. Yeah. Um, well, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, the course that you teach at uh, with the ICPA and, and also a little bit about why you do it. I mean, you've been teaching <laughs> with the ICPA for 20 years now. Uh, that certainly is uh, a, a real level uh, of commitment. Well, Okay. Let me explain what brought me to it to begin with, and then we'll go with that. Um, I had a, lo- a couple, some large volume family practices. And the biggest practice I had was when was, I was in Arizona, where I used to see a thousand patient visits a week. Okay, and this is working a three-day week, so I was seeing well over 300 people a day, and most of them were all families. Okay, and what happened was. Uh, when I moved back to Georgia from that, there was a divorce involved, and I moved back to Georgia. And uh, Larry Webster, who was a friend previously, was, was talking to me, and um, he and another chiropractor who has since passed on, Eddie Cohen, um, were talking to me about becoming part of this uh, certification course. And I said to Larry, I said, Larry, I'm not a, I'm not a pediatric expert. I said, Sir, you know, why, why would you want me? And he said, of that thousand patient visits a week how many of those were kids and i kind of figured it out it was like 20 to 30 percent that's 200 to 300 adjustments a week on kids and he said to me you understand that you're seeing more than the experts are as far as kids and i never thought about it that way so he said i really want want you on the program so i came on the program Initially, just teaching a, a Saturday portion of the program, the eight hours on child abuse, because uh, I had learned a lot about child abuse 
and survivors of abuse because my ex-wife was a survivor of abuse and, and uh, learned a lot through that previously. So I taught that until Larry passed away. And then after it was restructured, I kind of moved into the part of teaching the the, the, the module that Larry was kind of teaching, sim, similar type of thing in there. So I kind of moved into that with it, and I've been doing that ever since. Um, the big thing for me is I was shocked, honest to God, Greg, I was shocked on how many people did not adjust kids, were afraid to adjust kids, uh, and didn't even see the re- rationale or reason to adjust kids. Now, I was a good friend with Joe Felicia, we did Renaissance, and Joe was the one who really talked about birth trauma and things like this. And and I totally understand that the biggest trauma kids go through is from birth, and they should be checked from birth. Whether they have a symptom or not, they should be checked. So this is what, what has driven me and, and brought me into the thing and, and try to break through some of this fear that people have over, over uh, something that's nonsense. A child born medically has been through more trauma than the worst chiropractic adjustment, probably. You know, so um, um, we need to bring this education out to people and work with that. Yeah, one of the things that uh, in in uh, my interview with Jeannie Ohm, uh, the conversation went the way of there are so many chiropractors out there who are not clinically competent or properly trained in working with kids. And the hope was that at least they understood these kids needed to be checked. Uh, You know, I mean, it's vital that they got checked. And at least, hopefully, they were referring to pediatric specialists, the ones who have have been in this program, uh, but in a bigger picture, hopefully then recognize uh, the need to go out, get additional education, you know, take some of the ICPA yeah. courses and gain that knowledge. Let me, I'll tell you a quick story that happened here in Florida, and this can kind of illustrate it. There was, I got a phone call from a chiropractor in Texas, and he was looking for a chiropractor to work on a child. Okay, now let explain this. The chiropractor in Texas, the, the child he was talking about was the niece of a medical, do, medical doctor friend of his, okay? And apparently she had some bad ear infections and things like this. They lived in Florida, the niece did. So the medical doctor and the chiropractor called just two or three random chiropractors in the area in Florida, and the chiropractor said, oh, no, it's contraindicated to adjust children, okay, said this to him. And, I, and then he called me because he got my name to the ICPA, right, and then we set him up with somebody just fine. In fact, the person we set him up with is now the president of Sherman College at Cordero, okay? But what happened was I, I looked at that, and I, I stood back, and I kind of laughed. I said, here, here we have a medical doctor wants his niece checked, and the chiropractors won't do it. And I'm thinking, how absurd is that? How crazy is that, you know? So... Um, the, the, the thing about it is, 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 is we've got to overcome this fear and things like this. Uh, we had a guy, I was speaking in a philosophy class up in New Jersey. Uh, in fact, my sister and I were both up there speaking. And some guy comes running in and he said, who's the chiropractor who 
the pediatric chiropractor. And I'm, I said, see, to me, I, I'm, yeah, I do see kids, but I'm, I don't consider myself a pediatric chiropractor. I consider myself a chiropractor who sees kids, okay? So anyway, I said, I guess that's me, okay? So he ran up. He had this girl who was like six years old, and she was in terrible shape. She was sick, pale, the whole thing. And he said, I, I need you to check my daughter. I said, well, sure. And I, I checked her, and she was a mess. And I said to him, when was her last adjustment? And she, the chiropractor who brought her up to me said, oh, she's never been adjusted. I said, you're kidding. You've never adjusted her? Oh, no. Did you ever take her to anybody? No, 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 never did that. Always afraid. But now she was in such bad health that it now became almost an emergency. So I just said to him, shame on you. You should have at least taken her to another chiropractor or you should have taken a course or something to get over your fear to do this. Because the child is literally dying from within, you know, not getting her nerve, nerves, nerve interference corrected. So, so that's, been, that's been part of my passion with it. Yeah, well, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I love hearing these stories because they, they, they certainly are, uh, are motivating and, and, and certainly explain why, uh, why you do what you do. Uh, one of the promises we make to the folks uh, on this ICPA Insider is not only they'll be able to learn about the instructors they, uh, they've either, either had or will have, but also that they'll learn a little bit about the class and hopefully be able to glean sure. uh, great clinical pearls and, and technical tips and things to get out of it. So I'd love to hear more about the program that you teach and some of the things that are important. We'll be happy to. Um, my program, The Essentials of Chiropractic Care of the Family, teaches uh, a little bit of a lot of things, okay? Uh, we first start off with explaining the, the importance of checking kids of correcting nerve interference, uh, whether there's a symptom or not. And, and I try to get people off the symptom treating track and onto correcting nerve interference. Then we go into ways in the class how to eliminate fear from your office, okay? Because uh, two big major blocks to uh, uh, a good chiropractic practice, family practice, is eliminating fear and education. So we handle both of those things. We talk about ways to eliminate fear, and we talk about ways to educate. And part of the things we go into more specifically is how to do a, a patient orientation and how to set that up, and also how to do a report of findings to an adult and to a child, but also to an adult that helps stimulate them to, to see the need to bring their kids in as well as themselves with chiropractic. So that's all part of the program. We go into uh, some analysis of different ways to analyze vertebral subluxation, okay, and interference. And then we go into uh, to the rest of the program some techniques. We start off with some full spine diversified type of techniques. We go into a little bit of upper cervical, some of the Webster um, uh, headpiece techniques, things like this. Uh, after we do all that from from occiput down through sacrum, then we show a little bit of uh, uh, proprioceptive, mechanical receptive type of techniques similar to like CBP or something like that. We show a little bit of SOT, just a little bit of a, a protocol just to get people started on it. Since they will have a complete module of that later, we do a little bit of Logan Basic, explain that for an uh, older child and for an infant. Uh, we talk a bit about the Webster's coronal suture adjustment, okay, 
and uh, and then at the end we do uh, a, a bit about child abuse, recognizing child abuse, and also recognizing abuse on the survivor as well, and how to handle that. That's basically the whole module in there. Okay, that's what we do. There's a lot of material in 12 hours, and we go through uh, all that plus uh, get them a little bit of hands-on on dolls uh, to to show you know some of the technique but it's just a, it's just a starter version okay it's a it's a kind of a i guess you would call it a survey type of thing with the with the techniques it's to get them started get them over the fear get them their hands on with kids and stuff like this then as they go through the certification to get more specific with more of the technique individualized and things like this as well does help a little bit with Absolutely. You know, I know that when I went through uh, your program, uh, it it just felt like so much incredible information. Um, I've had the opportunity to review through the notes that I've taken at your program, and of course, have had the desire to go back and and even do it another time, uh, which I'm going to do um, because there was so much great information. Now, yeah. uh, I know that. Some of the things, certainly, you know, you say, what do people, what would people love to get a little, uh, a deeper in, insight into that you talk about uh, in your programs? What, what kind of little tips would be wonderful? And, and what strikes me is, hey, I bet people would love to hear a little bit more about how you talk to the parents and how you help them understand uh, why it's so mm-hmm. vital for them to bring their kids and what you're talking to them about in the report of findings. The, the first thing, well, even in the report of finance or whenever you're talking to parents or something, I always talk and use humor. I don't use heaviness and seriousness, okay? And I'll tell you why. When you start talking heavy and serious to a person, they put up the barrier, okay? They don't want to hear heavy and serious. They have enough of that in the outside world. But when we use humor as a starting point, Humor opens up a subconscious trap door and allows people to break down their barriers and listen more and perceive more, okay? So we talk about that a lot in the class, about how to use humor to help educate. Now, even on a physiological level, laughter increases respiration, which increases the the pumping action for the CSF flow. So physiologically, it's even better, uh, laughter and humor. So we do talk about that. We talk to parents on a number of levels with this. One thing, one line, and I'll give this line out that I think is probably the most powerful line I say to people in general, to the parents or whatever, okay? If you're alive with nerve interference, don't you think you'd be better off without the interference, whether you have a symptom or not? Now, who's going to argue that line? You follow what I'm saying? If, oh, yeah. if you're alive with, If you're alive with nerve interference... Don't you think you'd be better off without interference, whether you have a symptom or not? Well, yeah. So that's why you need to be coming to a chiropractor and being checked, okay? And that's why you should get checked regularly whether you have any symptoms or anything because you want to make sure you don't have any interference there, okay? Those are the type of things, and we talk with parents. Now, parents, one of the major things that they do right off is, oh, isn't this too harsh on my child? Well, that's because they've only seen an adult adjustment or an osseous adult adjustment. You follow what I'm saying? And, of course, that seems harsh for a child. 
But if you just demonstrate by taking your pinky and put it up to your arm, maybe torquing it just a little bit, say, when I adjust a baby, it's that much pressure. In fact, 50% of the kids who are asleep, when I adjust them, they don't even wake up. That's how gentle it is. That gets over the fear that a lot of parents have. Just that little simple step will, will bring them out of the, the fear of the adjusting. Okay, and I know the chiropractic with that. Then you always have people who come up with a, a safety issue. Well, I don't know if chiropractic is safe. Well, that, first of all, showing that helps, helps with that. And secondly, it's very simple. Uh, you just tell them, go Google up, Google up uh, malpractice rates of medical doctors and chiropractors and then come back and tell me which, which you think is the safest. <laughs> because once they see the malpractice rates in the comparison, and the insurance companies don't care. They're just looking at the bottom line. They'll, they'll know that chiropractic is far more safer than any medical procedure. Yes, at that. So there's a couple things. Any any tricks you have for helping move it up their priority level? A lot of parents, if they even, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. get referred and get to a chiropractor when their kid has something going on, whether they're ill or allergies or ADD or autism or an injury from sports. They're being mm-hmm. motivated by a problem. Uh, yeah. What do you do to help move it up their priority list to continue well, the, or to see it past the problem? The priority list has to start off with the devastating effects of the verbal subluxation. Okay. Now, let's take a person who doesn't have any symptoms, okay? but if they're subluxated, that means life is not expressing to the fullest in their body. And that can be manifested in a number of ways. And I use this example sometimes. Little Johnny falls off his bicycle at age five, interferes with the nerve to his heart, okay? Not enough to show any kind of symptoms, even on EKG. Nothing shows up. But now at age 15, he comes up with a murmur when he's getting the football physical, okay? And then, uh, but it's not a big deal. He can still play football, right? He thinks he's fine. Age 25, he has a little flutter, his heartbeat. He's given some type of medication to help calm it down. Age 35, now he's got a little uh, uh, chest pain. Okay, well, let's give you some uh, nitroglycerin if the chest pain comes along or whatever else is given. Okay, again, just treating the symptom, treating the effect. Age 45, he has a heart attack and they're talking about bypass surgery now. Okay, when did the problem start? Did it start when he had the pain or or the flutter or did it start back when he fell off his tricycle or bicycle at age five? when the interference first started. And you cannot feel interference when it first starts, okay? You, you're very fortunate if you can feel it, but most of the time you don't feel it when it first starts. Let's get it checked then, okay? We're saving the child's life with that, okay? And I, look at, I tell people that, like this too. Cancer. Everybody knows how devastating cancer is, right? And isn't cancer... And I'm going to ask you this, Greg. Isn't cancer an insidious way the body, body is killing itself? Right? Of course. In, yeah, okay. And they would rush to do anything because of the cancer, right? Well, yeah. isn't a verbal subluxation an insidious way the body is killing itself? It's expressing less life. That's an insidious way the body is killing itself. And so, um, you know, you just have to understand it's just as significant. May not may not be as um, significant 
right at this moment, but down the road is just as significant with that. And it needs to be addressed. And, and it's all about what they're exposed to because the significance right. uh, is only there because constantly in advertisements, TV, and everywhere you look, uh, cancer is, is, is in essence being advertised. And, and, right. and they're using scare versus care to motivate right. people right. To, to worry about it, which, of course, brings about what? Stress, which brings about what? Yeah. Supplication. Uh, yeah, no, that's the... As we increase our message, as we increase our uh, uh, the, the number of people that are guess, getting our message and how regularly they're hearing it, it, it sounds mm-hmm. like uh, you know just you just keep reinforcing it, and that's how you're moving it up the priority level. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, uh, by the time someone is 21 years of age, they have heard 18,000 hours of drug commercials on TV. 18,000 hours of drug commercials on TV by the time they're 21. Yet we think a one-day orientation or one evening orientation is going to change their whole paradigm. No. It's got to be continual education on and on and on and on in your practice with people, with your messages, things like this. I think one of the best resources we have now is social media to constantly educate. Instead of going on social, you know, going on Facebook and saying, you know, I just woke up, took a shower or whatever, how about talking about chiropractic and talking about the the involvement of, of the subluxation and things like this over and over and over again? You know, that's the kind of repetitious type of education we need. And and I know that that whenever given the opportunity, you, you express those thoughts and you let people hear. I think everyone, all chiropractors, need to be very bold with their beliefs and, and and speak from the heart and, and let people know, don't, oh, yeah. don't pull back. Because uh, yeah. i got to tell you, uh, the medical profession isn't. Uh, just just the other day, Mayo put up a, uh, a web page about how the flu vaccine could help pregnant women. Oh, great. But they were forced to take that down almost immediately. Uh, now, they had the yeah. stones <laughs> to put that yeah. up. Shouldn't yeah. we all have the you know the same level of oh, yeah. stones but healthy message? And I've had other chiropractors actually come down on me for saying this, but but I say it all the time. A patient says to me, "says Well, how long do I need to come in?" And I look at them and say, "Until one of us dies." And if I die first, you're going to have to find another chiropractor. <laughs> I'm not afraid to tell them that they need to come in the rest of their life. Oh, why do I need to come in the rest of my life? Well, I guess I suppose when you go exercise, once you get in shape, you quit exercise. Is that correct? <laughs> or, or when you start eating healthy, once once you feel healthier, you're going to quit. You're going to go back to McDonald's. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense. What makes sense is to get yourself doing as best as you can, no interference to your system, and keep it that way. How long do I want to be living without without interference? The rest of my life. Absolutely. So, and, and you tell yeah, the story I, so so clearly and so easy to understand. Have you ever really met someone who, after you kind of gave them the basics, said, "No, that doesn't make any sense to me." Not really. I I, I had one doesn't guy. Doesn't make sense. Huh? When they hear the basic message that you told them, doesn't it really always? Yeah. Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Sure. I I, I often ask this when I give my my orientation class. The next day, I always asked them, I said, did that make some sense? And in 37 years, I have never had a person say, no, it didn't make any sense. 
It's always made some sense. It may not have agreed with everything I say, but it's always made some sense. All the time. That's how clear the philosophy of chiropractic is. And if people would just look at the simplicity and the clarity of it and focus on that and not be afraid to talk about that, you see, it would be so much better. One of the big problems I have is we teach our students. I have two major problems with the way way our students are taught. One is we teach the students to emulate the medical profession in dealing with people, which I don't agree with. And number two, we teach the students technique as a procedure rather than as an art. And that's another pet peeve of mine in there. Well, and, so that, and that, they're, they're very important. And I would tell you that it's, it's a perfect transition because uh, in, in, uh, in our inaugural show, uh, part of in our, my introduction was, was just introducing people to me, and, and part of that was saying, hey, I went to NCC, and I know what you're all thinking because it's what I thought. I got no exposure to philosophy. But when I started with the ICPA, I found that the instructors that were part of the ICPA, every course not only gave me great technical and clinical tips, but it gave me it. They all incorporated tremendous amounts of philosophy. I, I told them they, you know, that's where I got dipped, and that's where I got spizzed yep. and wanted more. And the reason why I say it's a great transition is because I know how active you have been and still are in the entire chiropractic uh, profession and uh, things like DE and New Beginnings and Parker. Can can you tell us more about the things you've done and are doing? Well, um, um, first of all, for 10 years I taught at Life College. I taught techniques and different things like this and then pediatric adjusting and uh, I was actually actually moved up to the division chair of technique and analysis at Life College in in the 10-year two five-year sessions, okay? Um, one of the things I think that's important is getting people to understand and to, to become self-motivated, okay? So I do speak, I spoke for a lot, a lot of years at DE, okay? Then I spoke, and I still speak at New Beginnings. I spoke one or two times at Parker, okay? But basically what I try to do is um, I learned something. A good mentor of mine was a, a, a chiropractor named Dick Santo, Okay? He's a DE speaker, New Jersey chiropractor for years. He's since passed away. But I remember getting an offer to speak someplace where it was, I would say, not very friendly toward our type of chiropractic, okay? Mm-hmm. And I was questioning whether I should go. And Dick said to me, if God want, wanted you to speak there, why would you refuse? <laughs> he said, if you're being offered to speak there, there's a reason for that. He said there may be one person that picks up on what you're saying that will change their life. He said, you've got to go. So pretty much any time someone asks me to speak someplace, I feel it's my God-given thing to go do and to, and to share with people. Okay? Not because of how great I am, but because of their potential. Most people see their potential through limited glasses and they don't understand, okay? Like when I tried to explain to people that I used to see over 300 patients a day, you talk to students, and that's like trying to explain the color red to a blind person, okay? They don't see it at all. 
But once they start to hear that their potential is far greater than the limitations they put on themselves, that's when we start to expand our consciousness, other people's consciousness, and the whole profession and the whole, the whole movement as well. So, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll go speak wherever somebody asks me to do that because I think it's, it's been given to me for some particular reason. There's a reason behind it. I may not know what that reason is, but I'm supposed to do it. Yeah, well, I was, oh. I was just going to say in listening to you, you know, what I'm hearing the message is everything happens for a reason, and, and you know, uh, we don't always know what that is, but we just uh, we go with it, and, and, uh, yeah. and uh, you know, you've been, giving, uh, you've been giving of yourself to this profession for, for just a whole bunch of years, and, uh, well, I, now you get to see the reasons, fortunately. Um, years ago yeah. when, I was, when I was coming out of chiropractic college, uh, I had an externship, and I had an externship with a fellow that had been in practice for 20 years at the time, really nice guy, also trained at NCC, and he came out as much more of a technician, much more of a, uh, you know, uh, the adjustments and everyone got electric stim and what have you, but that wasn't what it was all about. In essence, when I came in as an, as a, as an extern, um, we, we were talking over lunch one time, and there was an x-ray up, and he got all misty, and he said, you know, this person's x-ray, he said, they were in right when I opened you know, almost 20 years ago, he goes, and, and, and look at the two x-rays then and now. He goes, I never learned back then much about why it was important to have chiropractic care for a lifetime. I just learned, you know, we can help help fix problems. And uh, mm-hmm. and he goes, now it, it makes me so sad. He goes, I almost feel like it's my fault because I should have been telling them. And and now today mm-hmm. they would have been, you know, so much different. Yeah, but now you can see, uh, I mean, not only all the wonderful benefits that the people you've served uh, have attained, but all the all the people you've taught. Oh yeah, it's it's it's, it's been a blessing for me. It really has. And uh, if I has have just affected one person to change a little bit, that that is part of my mission and my goal. I don't know if I ever explained this to you, but I I announced years ago, and this is kind of funny because when I announced this and said it publicly for the first time, that's when I started asking to speak. That's when people started asking me to speak. My thing is that I'd like to see everyone in the planet have the opportunity to be checked for subluxation in my lifetime. In my lifetime. I want to see that done. That's my goal. Okay? So in order for that goal to come to fruition, I have to help teach other people about it so they can carry it outward. Because I can only see a limited amount of people myself. Okay? Um, but, you know, uh, we, we want hundreds and millions of people to be checked, so we've got to spread the word and let that happen. And so and I, and I put a time limit on that in my lifetime because, because you can't just set a, a nebulous goal with no time limit on things. So I figure, you know, I'm, I'm 62 right now. I've got another 90-so years. Let's get, it, uh, <laughs> let's get it done in that time. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, let me ask you this, because, uh, again, I, I know how involved you've been in, in the chiropractic colleges and you're on the board and regents and, and you, were, uh, you were an instructor at life. Uh, what is your outlook uh, for the profession? Well, I, I, I kind of um, mirror 
uh, something that Reggie Gold has said, and, and I, I tend to believe it. I think in 20 years the profession is either going to be flourishing or it's going to be zero. It's going to be gone. And I think that's up to us to, to make that decision. I do tend to think that there may be a, a point when the chiropractic profession divides. And what I mean by divides, I mean it, is that you have chiropractors, people who are concerned with correcting the verbal subluxation, and then you have what I call the uh, alternative doctors of alternative medicine, okay, people who want to do all kinds of different stuff, but in, in a treatment mode, uh, they may not be med they may not be drug oriented, but they have alternative stuff, and I think there's going to be a little division there at some point. I think people have to make a decision as to whether which way they want to go, either the chiropractic route, now as as some people may call it the principal chiropractic route, or this doctor of alternative medicine. And I'm not saying that the doctor of alternative medicine is bad. I'm just saying if a person chooses that route, then choose that route. But don't call yourself a chiropractor. That's all. You know, so uh, um, there's no what's better or what's worse. It's just that I think they're going to have to define that a little bit better within their own cells and, and for the public as well. Okay. That's where I see it going. Okay. And I guess finally, uh, any closing comments for those people who are listening? You know, uh, the biggest thing that I, I think that is important is to, is to be open to learn, okay, and stand on your principles, okay. There, there's, you know, I've learned a lot of stuff. I've learned a lot of stuff. My son, when he went through school, was amazed that I knew all this kind of stuff about um, diagnosis and physical therapy and things like this. And because, because I didn't practice it, he felt like I didn't know it. And that's where a lot of people go wrong, especially the students. They think that um, by not knowing, you know, they, they want to delve into the principles and, like, the green book, and that's great. You need to do that. But it doesn't mean you don't need to know the other stuff, okay? I want to know the other stuff. It's not for any other reason as to why I don't want to do it, okay? And it seems like this. But, but learn, Okay, learn and be open and continually learn and grow. I'm 62 years old and I'm still learning and growing every year, okay? Um, and the ICPA is a perfect place to do that with, okay? The, you, every, every module has its own gems in there, and every module works wonderful in their own, own system. We have a great program. We have great new people on our program, and it's just a, an amazing way to grow, and uh, um, I believe and this is going to sound kind of crazy because it's the ICPA, International Chiropractic, International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, right? Um, Pediatric Chiropractic Association. I'm, I'm rambling on here, but what, the, what I'm trying to get across is that I don't care if you want to see kids or not. You're going to learn stuff in our program that's applicable to every chiropractor. Okay, and I, I think people should take advantage of that. Even if they don't do the whole certification course, take a module, take a couple modules, you know, learn some stuff. I had the blessing of um, having Chester Wilk sit in one of my modules when I was up in so the Chicago area. Okay, you know Chester oh. Wilk, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For those people who don't know, a lot of students don't know who he is. He's the Wilk, well, the Wilk versus AMA. Uh, antitrust lawsuit, okay, who basically helped us have the right to practice as we do, okay? 
he sat in my module, and he told me during the break, he said he really didn't take care of kids that much, and he was pretty much retired, but he wanted to get the credits, and he sat in there, and he said, and I, he said I really learned some stuff here today. He said, it was really neat. And this man is 80-some-odd years old and is still talking about learning stuff. I thought that was wonderful, and what a blessing. Okay? <laughs> Excuse me. So that's what I recommend people do. Take some modules. Learn. Continue to learn. Grow. Don't stay stagnant. Well, okay. lifelong learner, I, I, I think that is a, a, a super, super parting message. Uh, uh, you know, I know I certainly gained some clinical pearls and, and just, like always, have really enjoyed our conversation because I continue right. to learn more about you, and i got to tell you, your history, your background, your motivations, uh, uh, I, I'm speechless. They're just, you know, they're just so motivating uh, and so much support uh, what you do, you, you're, you're so congruent with your belief system, and I, and I think that's just so vital. So I, I thank you for taking the time, and, uh, and thank you very much for the interview. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening, and uh, keep on listening. We've got many more episodes of the ICPA Insider coming, coming soon, so stay tuned, and thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.